What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. I'm really excited for today's episode. We have my friend Chelsea Hewson joining us today. She's got a brand new book out, and it's called Real Vibes Only, Unapologetic Confessions of a Hot Mess Mompreneur. I've been waiting to get this episode out. We recorded this in December. And I would have released it, but I was like, let's just wait a few weeks and get it out when your book is out. So now it's out. So you may hear us talk about her book, about it coming out in the new year, so that it all makes sense now. It's out now. So her new book is out now. Go grab it on Amazon. It's doing really well, actually. Like it, It's ranked number one in a bunch of different categories, women in business and all the things. So... She did a lot better than I did on my launch, which is awesome to see. <laughs> and Chelsea is just an incredible human. Uh, we got to know each other over the last few months, and I got to read her book before it came out. I think I was one of the first people to read it, and I was hooked right away. What I love about her book is that it's it's so real, and the stories are relatable. And I don't know about you, but when I read stories that I see myself in, I, it like makes me feel better about my life. And I think that's why people love podcasts so much too, is because you hear people's stories and you're able to see yourself in them and realize that everybody's going through things. Everybody's been through stuff and maybe what your situation is, isn't that bad. Maybe you're not alone. So that's what Chelsea's book I found was really why it was really powerful. And it was just so entertaining. It was funny. It was like, I was just texting her back and forth. Like this book's awesome. So anyway, this podcast episode was a lot of fun. We kind of dive into different parts of her book. I won't give too much away, but yeah, she's, you know, she, she opens up a lot. It takes a lot of courage to be able to share your story firstly on podcast, but also in a book where you know that it's going to be out there and everybody's reading it. So um, yeah, this, yeah, this episode is a good one and I'm excited. So you guys, as always, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this or the follow button. All that means is that when a new episode is live, it automatically downloads. So you don't have to think about it and yeah, whatever platform you desire. And you guys, if you do get value from this, which I know you will, I would appreciate you sharing it on social media, tagging us in a story if you got value or even leaving us a review. I don't like to tell you all to do too much. I like to be like simple, but I give you an option. Like the way, the way you can support the show is by sharing it. You know what I'm saying? So, and of course, grabbing a copy of Chelsea's book. I think you guys will love it. But first, let's get into this episode with Chelsea Hewson. Enjoy. Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lance. I am very excited for this conversation. I've got to know you and dive into your story and your book and have lots of conversations. Mm -hmm. And you're a very interesting human. <laughs> thank you. And very inspiring. <laughs> so and, are you. <laughs> thank you. And there's so many different areas that we could discuss. And mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about, you know, it's always interesting with these episodes, thinking about where to start with things. And mm -hmm. 
after reading your book and diving into that, which we'll get into, um, there's a lot of different things that you have overcome and achieved. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with in all of our lives, there's things that stand out mm-hmm. as like pivotal moments. Like there's there's these things that pop up. There could be one, there could be two, there could be multiple. But where I want to kick things off is when you look back in your life and all the things that you've gone through, mm-hmm. what would you say stands out as one of the most pivotal moments that helped define who you are today? Like one that you're like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. that that needed to happen like that really defined me and i know you probably have obviously a few of them so mm-hmm. where where what would that be like what comes up from your heart right now yeah well kind of a kind of two like one i would say just as a woman where i was like enough i'm i'm so like looking back i always just, I didn't have, take care of myself. I didn't take care of my heart. I let people, guys just walk all over me, you know, treat me, treat me horribly. So one would for at least like demanding more from myself and knowing that I'm worth more and I should be treated better was when I found my ex-boyfriend in the backseat of our car with his ex-girlfriend. And that was like years of literally him living a double life, like completely living a double life and lying, just like he's very gifted liar. But, um, that was like years into it. And that was like the final moment where I was like, Oh my God, enough. Like I just, it was like an out of body experience. I just yelled a lot and I said everything I wanted to say. And then I was like, I'm done I, like, enough of letting someone treat me this horribly. Right. And cheat on me and lie and make me feel that I'm the crazy one. Right. Is that gaslighting? Right. Like, yeah. oh man, I was, I had lost weight. I was stressed out. I knew in my gut something was wrong, but he was such a gifted liar that he kept you know, just spinning this story and making it seem like I was just crazy. So I would say that was really, really the pivotal moment of like, stop letting guys treat you like crap, like just stop. And then another, I think kind of the really hard part or thing that I went through more as an adult was when I was a high school Spanish teacher uh, for quite a few years. And um, one of my students tragically passed away and he was, a, a max and he, I was so close to him. Like he was my little buddy. I had him in numerous classes. I was trying to get him, um, hooked up with a mentor and things like that. Cause he kind of had a rough, a rough life. And we were just, we were just buddies. And so when he passed away, I just, um, I don't know, I was more as an adult, but it just hit me like what's important in life. And like, it, you know, you, you never get over something like that. Like when a child dies tragically, like you physically, you just don't get over that stuff. But it taught me like, cause I had just been floating along, like everything's going good. And then boom, it was like the rug was pulled out from under me. I was a mess for months and I was not okay. And I just, that was the point where I really had to work to get my happy back. Like I had to work to feel happy again and really feel like it was okay to be happy. Right. I felt like guilty. Like, well, 
this happened to him. How can, why should I be happy? But then I'm like, I need to do it to honor him. Like I'm going to go out and smile and spread kindness to literally honor his memory. Cause that's what he did. So that was just second, like being a little bit older and more mature, just knowing that life's hard. We're always going to come up with, there's always going to be something coming up, but like being happy is a conscious choice and you have to work for it. You really do. Mm. Yeah. I reading those, those things, those stories in your book, like you did such a great job at really uh, feeling like, like I felt like I was right there with you. Mm -hmm. Like, you did such a great job at describing it and you just felt you. like, I felt like I knew Max mm -hmm. and yeah. it was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And even like you bringing it up, it kind of like is like a bit emotional because yeah. you, you, you develop these bonds and, mm -hmm. and yeah. And then even what you said about the ex-boyfriend and like that feeling, like I felt I felt what you were feeling. It was like that, mm -hmm. that like that sick feeling. Yeah. Like you're just, like you've just been. Yeah, it's like it's so hard to to understand if you haven't been through something like that. Like, mm -hmm. and I think anybody that hasn't been cheated on, mm -hmm. it's it's hard to understand. But like the, what you were describing in that, like what he did, and all of that in your book. Mm -hmm. It was just like you, like, I was like, I wanted to be like, fuck this guy. Where is this guy? Like, I was like, yeah, there's some shit he did. Yeah. Like, wow. I go real deep and real detail. Cause I'm like, did. really? You did all that? Wow. Okay. It's such a good job with like describing. And that's what I, I really love about your book is like, the <laughs> stories are so real and it's like, you just describe them and you're like, oh, I know that feeling. Like I'm right there. Yeah. And you can't make that shit up. No, you you can't. can't like, wow. No. Okay. But well, yeah. <laughs> but they're so, it's so close to home and so many people can relate. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. that's what is special about you also is that you're very relatable. And I, I want to dig more into like these, cause this is why I wanted to ask you because there's so many things yes. and stories, but like sure. whatever's closest to someone's heart, like for you, those ones mm -hmm. matter. So I want to dig into those because I think it's important to kind of like, you know, cause people are going to go through that, right? People are going to lose somebody mm -hmm. close to you. And let's, yeah. let's start with the max, the dealing with the grief. Like you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, you felt guilty about laughing, but mm -hmm. like what I've realized too, is that that's part of the grieving process mm -hmm. is there it is. is, it's, it's like the human emotion because mm -hmm. they also made you laugh. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and being able to be okay with that. So I would love if you mm -hmm. can kind of like dig more into what, what was the process for you to deal with that? Like walk us through that. And what are some of the uh, things that you, you used that other people mm -hmm. may find to be useful yeah. in dealing with a situation similar to that? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, January. I remember So new year's Eve of January, um, 20, what, 16, I found out I was pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, we were so excited. Right. And then like two weeks later, this, like, I remember leaving school. I was a teacher, like I said, and I was driving and like, I don't know what time it was, like, let's say five and all these ambulances raced past me, like 
kind of on the way. And I was like, I just had this weird feeling. I had a really weird feeling. And so I get home. It's like, I don't even know. I had a feeling. I was like, some, I need to like find out what that was or what's going on. And I'm seeing, you know, stuff on like Twitter and you know, oh, there was a pond accident. So these three boys fell into an ice pond and one boy, um, Patrick passed away there, sad, horribly. Uh, another boy lived and then Max was, um, airlifted to a children's hospital and was in a coma for 10 days. And I, before I knew all this that night, I, I just had this weird gut feeling and I'm like, Mm. Max came to my mind. I was just like, oh my God, what happened? I feel like Max is involved. I really just did. I did not sleep that night at all. I was like up looking for any updates, any updates at all. And then I see like in the middle of the night, kids posting like RIP Max on Twitter. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Like I, I, my feeling was right. Like this, you know? And so I went to school the next day and, uh, the, I'm sitting there. I just got to school and the assistant principal texted me. She's like, are you here yet? And I was like, oh my God. I said, I wrote back, oh my God, it's Max, isn't it? And she's like, I'm coming. And so it, she came and told me that her husband actually was the one who airlifted him to the hospital. And she said, it's not good. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was horrible. And I, uh, just kind of went through all the emotions and, Luckily, one other teacher and I who were really close to him got to go visit him um, at Children's Hospital when he was in a coma. And, you know, I said goodbye or I, said, I didn't say goodbye. I said, I love you. We miss you. We you make us laugh like you got to come back. It's we're just not the same without you, you know. Um, so I got to, you know, see him one last time and then he passed away. And I uh, the everyone knew that I was extremely close to him. So I think people were kind of like taking extra care, like letting me know, you know, details or information. Um, and so a few nights later, the principal called me and told me he had passed away. And I like, it was almost, it was late at night. And, um, I just remember going upstairs and just, I told my husband, like, you know, he, he died and I started crying and I just went upstairs and like sobbed, like my bed was shaking. I just, sobbed for hours and hours and hours. And I sobbed myself to sleep. And honestly, that continued for months. It, I just, I would like cry on the way to school. I'd get to school, suck it up. Felt numb though. I, I was not okay. And then I'd cry on the way home and I'd cry. If I had to run to the grocery store, I'd cry on the way there. And then I'd cry myself to sleep like every night. I was just not okay. And finally I went to, I was at the gynecologist and I'm sitting there and she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm not okay. And I just start sobbing again. She's like, oh, honey, like, I thought you'd just be like, I'm good. And I'm like, no, I'm, and I told her and she's like, honey, go see a therapist. Like you, you need to, you're obviously not okay. This is months into it. And so I did. And I just, that truly, I kind of had to just be gentle with myself and go through all the grieving emotions. But like the therapist really, I just sat there and cried and just told it all again Mm. to a stranger, which is kind of, you know, I think 
I personally like a therapist that you don't know because you can say shit like just whatever you want to say. You don't have to worry about being judged. Like you just get it out, you know, and really say what's on your heart. And I just cried my brains out and just for a while. And then, you know, then I could talk about it maybe without crying or slowly it started to get a little easier or I would cry a little less or I would, you know, cause I'm like pregnant too. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm Googling like trauma for a baby, you know, I'm for the baby, unborn babies, like absorbing my trauma. And then that's a whole nother thing of mom grief and guilt. Like, Oh my God, I'm wrecking this baby that's growing inside of me, you know, like that's a whole nother freaking level and story. Right. So it just, it took a long time. It really did. And it went from me thinking of him numerous times a day to like the sad. And then it kind of started being more happy, happy memories. Um, and then, you know, I still think of him often when I'm driving or I'll see a sunset or see something and I'm like, Hey, I see you, bud. Like, you know, but, um, it was hard. Like the students, the school just had a hor- it was a really hard time, but like that class that he had been in for a few years, like we were so close and, um, you know, we all went to a celebration of life and we just bawled and cried together and hugged each other. And, and then I was cool. The, when these kids graduated that day, I was just kind of, I was extra emotional because he should have been there. Right. And, uh, my one of my assistant principals she knew that these were my kids like these this group and she knew i'd be extra like kind of emotional about it so she had me standing the whole time like when to hug the kids and shake their hands when they came out and i got to see some of those kids that we were all together during that and they were so close with him and me and just hug them and like we cried and it was you know like we we cried because we were proud of them but we were we knew he should have been there you know what i mean so it was, took a long time, a really long time. And you know, that's something you just, you never get over. What you year, never do. What year was that? Uh, that was uh, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Was 2016. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's been a few years now, but it's just, and it's weird. Like I'll, I, it'll hit me, yeah. you know, it'll just like hit, he'll, a thought of him will hit me and I'll just like start crying or like I used to, for the week before the anniversary of his death, I would just kind of start losing it and just really be crying all week and just struggling. Cause I knew, but now it's gotten a little easier and it's, you know, that's just, that's grief and that's losing anyone. It's, it's never going to go away or be fine. And it shouldn't be because they all left a mark on our heart. You know what I mean? And it's just maybe the memories change or you don't cry as much, you know, for me, but yeah, it, it was hard. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such a hard thing that we all have to go through. We can't mm-hmm. escape it. No. And you would think that we would learn more of this stuff growing up, right? Like, yeah, you would think that, look, people you care about are going to pass away. So we're going to have yeah. to learn how to move through it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we don't. And when it happens, no. it's such a shock to the system. Literally, yeah. And, and, you know, immediately, right. You go through the, what could I have done or why wasn't mm-hmm. I there? Right. And you yeah. start to feel that. Did you yeah. go through that too? Like, was I, you know, was there like any sort of regret? Cause I know when I lost my younger brother, like mm-hmm. there was all of that. 
but like that mm-hmm. was how I like all this stuff came up, right? Yeah, our relationship yeah. was obviously different than than yours with the students, but like, mm-hmm. was there like these things? Like, was there anything that you were like fighting with, or like you know, or was it just? Um, like- I don't know. Like I. I could see, like, he was this quirky, goofy kid, and I could see him going to screw around and be like, oh, let's move. Like, I, you know, I'm like, oh, I just, I don't know. And, but it's, and I read about this, I know you read it in the book, but like, I will always be grateful for this. And it's like, it's like God knew it was the last time I was going to see him because he always like, I, so at this point I've had this kid in class for numerous, numerous years and numerous classes, right? He's like the goofball. He'd be like, Hewson, 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 Hewson. Like he'd say my last name like 20 times. And I'd be like, what, Max? Because I'm like talking to kids over here and he'd be like, hi. You know, he'd just be like silly or he loved the game apples to apples. So like sometimes if they'd finish er- work early, I'd let him play a game. And he'd like, one day I look over and he's like army crawling across the floor to try to steal the apples to apples. I'm like, get over there. <laughs> no, stop it. Like he was yeah. such a little stinker and like, just such a, you know, so much fun. But, um, that the day, like, and he always wore this green sweatshirt for years, every single day, this green sweatshirt. Right. And it was so weird. I was sitting at my desk. It was the day before, uh, the boys fell in the pond and I was sitting at my desk and I literally just, I'm working and I look up and I see Max with this, uh, a special needs boy was sitting at the computer playing game and Max was trying to help him. And he like, it was just such a sweet kid and like kind heart. And like this boy, I just loved both of them. And I weirdly just kind of stopped and I looked up and I was like, it just, I just looked at him and I was like, well, first of all, he's wearing this like cute little outfit today. Like what? who is this kid? He's like growing up like right before my eyes. But like, I just stopped and was like, he looks so grown up and he looks so nice. And he's being this sweet kid helping this kid. And I just literally was like, or I sat there and like stared at him for a minute and was like, I'm so freaking proud of him right now. Like he's, I was just like, God, he's growing up. He's like grown in this sweet man, you know? And, um, so I, I will always like, that's kind of like one of my final memories of him. And I, it's just like, God knew to make me take a second Mm. and literally just stop and be like grateful for him and be like, I'm so proud of you, you know? So that that's cool that that's like one of my kind of last memories of him. So once that unfolded, Mm -hmm. did that kind of lead you to like, you ended up leaving teaching was that Mm -hmm. kind of was that like walk us through a little bit of the the journey because you were a teacher and you were doing this and having these impact on these kids lives and then you Mm -hmm. you know we'll talk about your transition into entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. know all of that side of things but I'm just curious as to like why why the sudden change Mm -hmm. did that have something to do with it or was it just an evolution Um, yeah So that, I wouldn't say that really did like, that was still quite a few years ago. Um, and then I ended up, um, switching to a different school. And so that was, I think my 10th year and it was, um, it was just that school I had a tougher time at. Like, I think if I remember it was like September 18th, because I remember sitting in my office and like in my classroom, like looking at the calendar, like, 
oh my God, it's only September 18th, but a kid called me a fucking waste of space. And I was yeah. like, huh, okay, right. tell me how you really feel. Like I didn't do anything, but okay. You know, I was just like, huh, that's new. You know, I've always had like really good relationships with my students always up to this, like what's happening. How did that affect you though? Cause that, that hurts. How did that affect you? Yeah, I mean, I, it was just like, okay. And I mean, I had with that same student a couple months later, like I asked him to put his phone away and then he started screaming F-bombs at me in the class. And I was like terrified. And I, was just could have called to like get him taken out, but I thought he was going to like beat me up or something. Cause he's screaming at me wow. and I'm shaking, like typing an email, like, please, I need help. I need help now. And finally someone came and took him. And there were just a lot of like really intense behavior things there. And I get that there's like, there's schools like that. And there's a lot of teachers that deal with that day to day, but it just, I was like, I don't love this anymore. Right. Like, I don't want to go be called a fucking waste of space. Like I've, I've loved it up to this point. I'm like, it just very quickly turned for me. And I was like, I gotta get out. And the funny part is I, I was up. So after like September, I was like, yeah, this might be my last year thing in my head. And I started applying for jobs. I got zero calls like zero. I'm like, I'm a teacher. I work hard. I can juggle a million things, blah, blah, blah. No, apparently like I would hire a teacher in a second, like absolutely. But literally no one called me and I was like, great. So teaching has pigeonholed me somehow. And I'm really, I don't know. I thought that is fascinating. Why? Weird. I don't know. I don't know. And like, I have two bachelor's degrees. I have a master's degree. I'm like, I, I don't even know. And so no one called me. I'm like, okay. So then I got a, I took a job as an office manager for a, a small construction company. Yeah. So they did, yeah, they worked in commercial construction. So that's kind of how I, and I just took it. Honestly, I was desperate. I was like, I just got it. If I don't love teaching anymore, I need to get out for the kid's sake, for my sake, for everyone's sake involved. Like if I don't love this, move on, you know? So I did. And then, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I merged into construction for sure. But yeah, it was, it was gradual and it definitely was a few years after yeah. Max passed away. But like the relationship, the relationships that you built in the mm-hmm. other school mm-hmm. would have been so close to your heart. And then you go and you oh, do another totally. one where people are like acting like Treating, that. It's kind of like, yeah. it's almost like yeah. you, I would imagine you almost want to keep that sacred. Cause that was so good. You don't want to like, cause that's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens is like we get like jaded and then, you know, you could have kept teaching and become this grumpy. And I hate it. Yeah. yeah. And then the kids. Yeah. That's so good. They're like, oh, we hate her. Yeah. Like it seems like you, you have a very good connection to your intuition, right? It seems like you really have that ability to tap in. And I think that that's also probably why you're such a great entrepreneur as well is because a lot of that, a lot of that, would you, like, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get into that because mm-hmm. I really believe that a lot of that in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of that that comes up, right? You have to be able to mm-hmm. like listen to your intuition while still balancing logic. Yeah. And it's like, 
<laughs> and and it's interesting to me that you would go from teaching to this. So other oh, opportunities didn't work out. You got into construction as a part-time and then you started your own yeah. construction company in a male dominated yes. industry. This is what I really want to hit home for people. Like, yeah, is that this is interesting that you would, you would go into this field and mm-hmm. oh, totally. Yeah. So how walk us through that a little bit because yeah, you're kind of defining the odds, so to speak. Is <laughs> well, and, and how has oh, that sorry. been? No, yeah, I'm just I'm trying to tee up this question. Like how how has that been? First of all, as an entrepreneur, but second, mm-hmm. speak to us about working in an industry where it is predominantly males. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. I guess like, I just am very, this is me. This is what you get. Like, so I, you know, started the, I was still working the other job, full-time job. And I started this company in March of 2020, really just setting up the company really didn't do much, but I worked two jobs until April of last year. So that was intense. I'm going to say it sucked. (laughs) It was not, not ideal. I was working way too much late nights, early mornings, you know, crying a lot, like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) Um, but honestly, it's, it's weird how life takes you. I would, people say like, Oh my God, how do you get into that? Like, I wasn't a little girl playing with Barbies. Like I'm going to own a construction company when I get older. No. And, and girls don't even think when you're a girl, that you can go into construction because no one tells you you can. It's like for men, right? Mm. Like women don't do that. That's just like one of the things isn't even like told to you. Um, so, you know, the industry is like 10 to 11% females. And the cool thing is though, now I know a lot of women in construction and I, they're freaking amazing. Like some of them have worked 30 years. They were the pave, the trailblazers paving the way for me for the rest of us truly. But I have women that own numerous companies that are doing millions and millions and millions a year and they're badass freaking women. And they're so cool. And I, I leaned on them a lot when I was starting, I'm like, Hey, what do I do for this? What do I do for this? I Googled a lot. Like it's, I don't have any business training at all. I don't have any like construction training. I just literally that first job I took, I got thrown to the wolves. i I, I was barely trained and I had to figure it out. And it sucked. It, like, I'll be honest, it sucked. It was really hard. Cause it was a huge learning curve, okay. but then I learned it all. Then I had all these skills now and things I just learned to take with me into my company. So it, it just made it a lot easier to step into that. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I don't know, I work with really good clients and have really great employees. And like my employees are like, Oh my God, you send us like birthday cards. You actually give a shit about us. No one else gives a shit about the guys in the field, but you do. And I, you know, if they want to talk about something, we'll have that. It could be an awkward conversation, but they bring it to me. Hey, what about doing this? What about doing this? Like, I think I just, I approach things differently than their bosses they've had before who've always been male. And so I think sometimes they're like, Oh my God, what, who are you? (laughs) You know what I mean? I can't help but think your background as a teacher has been so helpful with speaking to the men and like just your ability to communicate and like, yeah, like what an asset though. What an asset though. You've been able to teach kids and have them like 
think a certain way and like, you know, mm-hmm. and then be able to take that into, into that where you, you're, you're leading a team there. There has mm-hmm. to be tremendous value like, that you've brought yeah. over that you may not even think about. Probably not. Well, and, tr- <laughs> and also like out of college, I was like, Oh my God, I have a Spanish degree and a broadcast journalism degree. I wanted yeah. to be the next Barbara Walters. And I'm like, yes. And then I was like, oh, I have to work nights and weekends and make like 20 grand. Like, what? No. Yeah. And so then I just was like, the bills were coming. So I got a job as a receptionist at a trade show, an experiential marketing company. And um, so it like, and I worked my way up from that. And then I quit, got my master's, became a teacher. Then I got into construction. It's everything you do in life. I truly believe you learn something from and you grow from, and it makes you better, a better leader, a better person. So it's like, I've reinvented myself so many times and completely changed three very, very substantial times. But like, I guess I would say to anyone, if you work hard, and you ask questions and you put yourself around the people that are doing it well, you you can do anything. You don't need a degree in this. You don't need that. You don't need training in this necessarily. You can get it, but it's like, I'm not one special. I just worked my ass off. I really did. I worked really hard and I didn't like, I look at the stuff I do now in the company versus when I started and it sucked when I started, it really did. It was like bad. And, but then I got better and I got better and I changed this. So it's just more efficient, better. I hired, um, you know, a CPA. I don't want to go to prison because I messed up my taxes, which would happen. Like you hire experts that are know what they're doing to help you, you know? So it's like anyone, if you have a dream on your heart, just go and do it. You'll figure it out. You, it's going to kind of not be great at first, but you'll get better. You yeah. know? Yeah. There's, there's two questions there that I want to, I want to dive into um, mm-hmm. that. I want to put a pin in one of them. And the first one yes. I want to, I, I want to ask is, okay. So entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. what advice, like what are, what are maybe three things that you have learned in the field or that somebody that wants to get into it mm-hmm. may not be aware of or may have been aware of, but you know, that you find to have been the most useful. Like what are three things that they should for under understand for entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. Um number one, I would say like it's it's not easy. It's not for everybody. And honestly, yeah. most people are gonna try it, they're gonna quit. The, like real quick to be like, Oh my God, this is what it takes. Oh yeah. Not, you know what I mean? Just be um, honest, honest with yourself. Like, Hey, it's tough. Yeah. Like, you got to be in it for the long haul. It's tough. It's it. You can like at the very beginning, like you're pretty much doing everything. I still pretty much do everything. I just a couple months ago, hired a part-time office person to help me because I'm like, I can't physically do everything anymore. You know, every single thing it takes to run a company. And there's in construction, there's a lot of like extra, just little things that all this extra like random stuff you got to do too. So it's just, you know, I think if you're going to be successful really in anything, and especially entrepreneurship is like, you got to be in it for the long haul. And you you don't, when it gets hard, you're not just going to quit because you'll never be successful. You just won't. But the ones of us that are going to be successful, don't give up. And we know like, yep, something happened today. I'm going to learn from it, grow from it. Like, 
you know, there's always going to be something coming up. It's like, are you giving up or are you just going to be like, yep, yeah, okay, that's the thing for today. Let's keep going. You know what I mean? Um, so I would say that I would say, like I kind of touched on before, but hire experts to do like, I'm not good at math or everything. While I will update my QuickBooks daily and that kind of stuff, because I know what, you know, expenses are for, but like, I'm not reconciling my books. I'm not doing this. I, I hire an expert. I get insurance people. I do this and that to like take something off my plate, but give it to someone who's good at it, who does that and knows it. Cause I'm not going to spend five hours doing something that it would take somebody 20 minutes to do. Right. Like it's pointless. And then I would say, surround yourself with good people that you can go talk to. Like some of these women um, that own the companies that I've talked about. Um, I, I had lunch with one of them once and I was like, I sat down, I'm like, was feeling all sorry for myself. I'm like, Oh, I just renewed my commercial and, you know, construction insurance today. And oh my God, it's 60 grand. It's so much money a year. And she's like, Oh honey, mine's 450,000. I'm like, okay. Like, uh, you know, you got like 200 employees. You're, you're a big dog here, you know? And it's like, just to talk about literally running a business and, oh, we made money. We lost money. I bought this equipment. It didn't work out. I did literally to just talk about the random things that you can't just talk to your other friends about that don't, they have no clue. Mm. So for me, it was finding women in construction that own companies that I could ask them questions or be like, Hey, this client's doing this is, is that normal? And she's like, no, they're bullying you. Stop it. Don't even just move on. Don't do that. And I'm sitting here like, Oh my God, did I do something wrong? She's like, Nope, you're good. Just move on. You know? So it's like somebody to talk you off the ledge, get, put things into perspective because they've been doing this many years and I'm newer. You know what I mean? So yeah, surround yourself with people, hire experts, uh, delegate things that you're not good at and just know that you're going to, it's, it will be worth it, but it's not easy at all. So when days aren't easy, mm -hmm. what do you do? Well, sometimes I just have a good cry. Sometimes I, what I found if I'm like in my office working, getting kind of like stressed out or whatever, honestly, I take my dog for a walk and I'm like, force myself, breathe, look up at the sky. You think we all get in our head and, oh, it's everything. This is all so important. And then you step outside and you're like, it's not, there's something way bigger than me out here. Do you know what I mean? It kind of puts me in my place again to be like, chill out, chill out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just, I try to maybe take a little break or something, or if something is really hard, I just feel it. But then, you know, a day or two, but then I gotta, I gotta then take care of myself. So I'm feeling good mentally, physically. Otherwise I, I just don't show up well. Right. Mm -hmm. because I think that's the realness of the process, right? Like, mm -hmm. because when things get hard and they will, most people mm -hmm. quit. Yeah. So it's all about understanding, like things are going to be great and it, everybody can win when things are great, mm -hmm. but how do you show up when things aren't great? Like that's the difference, right? Yep. And that's why I think it's important to, to express to people like the simple things that you can do. Like when you're in the shit mm -hmm. and you're like, fuck, this is brutal. What do you do? You know, you go for a walk, you go into nature, 
that is key. But I think a lot of people instead they get there and they're like, Oh, that's it. I suck at everything. Life's over. I'm going to quit. And it's like they, and, and I think it's so important because that's the moment mm-hmm. you got to catch yourself. Right. And be like, you do, how do I, what can I do to like calm down? What can I yeah. do to just, you know, bring things into perspective, right? Like you said, yeah. does it really matter? Like, you yeah, know, you go out, you watch the dog, you watch yeah. a dog move around and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I just go cuddle my dog and I'm like, hi, buddy. I love you. But that Truly, is so, but that is so important. That is so yeah. important to know because, you know, there's so many people that, that, that quit. And mm-hmm. also I wanted to talk to you about like risk, like mm-hmm. the, you, you gotta be willing to take risk, right? And like, how do you deal with the risk? Like, how does somebody, cause there's so many people that want to play it safe always. Yeah. And which is fair. You know, you, you want to do this, you want to play it safe. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. But like, speak to us about risk. Like how, how do yeah. you do it? Like, cause I know you have, you're like, you have, you're taking massive risk and it's very inspiring for people because uh, it's not easy to mm-hmm. to risk when it comes to real life money like real yeah like yeah like speak to us about that so the, i'll talk to two things so being in construction there's massive risk people could die if they don't know what they're doing right i mean it's it's or they could be injured it's the worst risk humanly possible right you as a owner i want my employees to go home every night to their family safe. That is literally number one. And I like pray and be like, please take care of them, like keep them safe. But I also hire good people who are good at what they do. And they, I trust them. If they don't feel safe, they call me and we chat and we change things or whatever. So that's always priority truly for risk. Secondly, owning a company. Yeah. Your, your house, your cars, everything you literally own is on the line. Like you mess up, like it's major. It's not like, Oh, I just, you know, you get fired and you go home and whatever. Like, no, you could literally lose everything. And that is a little scary. Yeah. It's massively scary. But like, for me, I'm, I'm betting on myself and I believe it's worth it. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, a lot of people are like, Oh, when, when they think like, Oh my God, I could lose everything. Like, Hell no. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's intense. And I feel, I have like a lot of entrepreneur friends and we're like a kind of a special kind of crazy. I have people that own boutiques, they own restaurants, they own clothing stores, they own all kinds of stuff. And we sit and talk business. And some, like some of my friends are like, you know, we, I haven't, we're not paying ourselves right now. Cause and they, they're like years in, cause it's been slow. Do, and do, do other people realize like when stuff's slow, they stop paying themselves? No, they don't realize that. That's another thing. Like people just don't understand, you know? Yeah. There's all kinds of risk for it, but it's like, you got to believe that it's worth it or, or you're like, hell no, I'm running away. I'll, I'll go get my, you know, eight to five job, my paycheck and move on and and play it safe, which I get. That's great for some people, but for those of us, we, we aren't okay with that. Right. Okay. So somebody, here's the other question I had for you was, 
okay. So somebody hears that they think, okay, entrepreneurship. Great. Okay. All right. But here I am in this thing that I'm not passionate about anymore. Mm -hmm. And you've reinvented yourself a few times. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Like, like what does somebody do? Like, what are some steps or they're, they've heard that word reinvent, Mm -hmm. but what does it mean? Like, how does somebody do that? Yeah. Like, can you break it down and like, under, so somebody can like, what, what action steps mm-hmm. can they make if they want to do that? I mean, there's so, depending on like what you want to do, I would try to find somebody who's doing what you want to do and doing well mm. and be like, well, what do I like about them? What, you know, can you go stalk them nicely and like, be like, can we chat? I mean, seriously, I yeah. always, I'll be like, can I pick your brain? Cause like what you're doing is amazing. And I would love to do that. How did you start? What did, you know, what, what advice could you offer me? Honestly, I'm all about asking people. And if you find the right people, they're like totally for having the real conversations, do this, don't do this. So I would look for people that are doing what you want to do. Talk to them. I would research, I mean, research online, how, or, you know, how could you monetize whatever you're really passionate about? How could you monetize it? How could maybe there's something out there, but you modify it a little and make it better or, you know, go to a different market or whatever, a different, you know, um, yeah, I think just talking to people and doing your research gives you the ideas and also being real with, do I just love this? Do I really want to do it and go all in? Then brainstorming things of like, okay, well, take it one step at a time. What's my next step? Okay, well, I'm getting a little closer and now that's the next step. Like, what are those little steps add up? You're not going to just get there overnight. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, I would say find little steps and just talk to people. Truly there's, I've had so many friends say they've, they've like approached somebody who's kind of like famous and like really doing what they want to do. And they're like, they totally talked to me and it was great, you know, and they're share, they're willing to share ideas because someone shared ideas with them. You know what I mean? And like, that's the, the part of the people you want to be around. Right. Yeah. A lot of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. That's see, that's such great advice, Charles, because thank you. It's, I think a lot of people have that question. It's like, yeah, well, you're different, but what am I going to do? And it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. (laughs) It's like, oh, you have this or this, that. Everybody's like, they always think somebody's different, but it's like, well, no, you know, it's great advice. Seek somebody who have the results you want that inspire you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you say like, hey, that, that person, and then figure out your uniqueness and like how you can create something from it, right? How can you monetize it? Yeah. And put your, your spirit and your your personality into it. It's not going to be the same as them. Right. But you put your own twist in it Yeah, because you're your your own unique person and what you bring to the world, no one else can. So like the world needs you yeah, specifically you because no one else can do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And I mean, we could have a whole two part episode on entrepreneurship. I feel like it's been, I feel like even in my life, it's been the most transformational ass kicking I've ever, (laughs) it's made me look look at myself and where I'm hiding. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. It's Mm -hmm. really a blessing. It's like, it is. 
but at the same time, yeah, it's risky. And it's like, I wouldn't have it any other way personally. And I'm sure you Yeah. <laughs> now there's, I, I told somebody the other day, like, there's no way I could go back to like going to an office from eight to five, having a boss. Like I, it's just, there's no way. Like if I get a call from my kid's school and they're like, he's puking, come pick him up. Okay. Well, I rearrange the meeting. I go pick him up. I work from home, which is fantastic. But like, I can do that. And I'm not like having to take a day off or my boss is mad at me or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, I can never, I'm ruined forever. (laughs) Yeah. No, for sure. I, uh, I just wanted to check in for your time because I know you're running a busy company. Are we good to keep going for a few minutes? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Are you sure? Okay. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> the like, sun's like coming at me. I'm oh, that to happens to me all the time. Okay. <laughs> there's there's another area that I want to go into with your book. And yes. It's, it's going to be a little more deep. We're going to go back okay. into the depth because okay. I want to cover this. I was wondering like, mm-hmm. should we cover it? Should we not? And I think we got to cover it. And, um, I know that you haven't spoken about it much through Mm -hmm. your your Ecuador trip, Mm -hmm. um, a very emotional experience. Mm -hmm. Would you mind kind of speaking to us about that? Because I think this situation and you've spoken to me offline about this being a thing that really hits home to people, Mm -hmm. women, especially that it's so brave of you and so uh, courageous of you to be able to step up and speak about this and put this into your book. And Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, when I read this part, I was like, fuck, like I felt like I was there with you again, Mm -hmm. the way you write that your detail. And it was like, I was there and I felt like the the emotions and the fear. So can you speak to us about that? Yeah. So um, I, have been now to Ecuador and South America like three three times. Um, the first time I went with um, a study abroad group in college and then I loved it so much I went back by myself uh, for three months the following year, much to my mother's dismay. She's like, oh my God, you'll never come back. And I'm like, I might not. I feel like every um, mom says that. <laughs> yeah, because they know. They're like, yeah. eh, she might not be coming back. Um, but um so yeah, I, sorry, I'm like trying to get out of the sun. Um, I, the second time I went, I was studying abroad, um, studying Spanish at this like academia down there and, um, had seen this, uh, professor kind of like, well, all the staff would go like when a big group leaves, they go out, we all go to the bar together and hang out and blah, blah, blah. And I'd seen this professor like making out with a student and I was like and all the people are standing there like the admin are like watching and I was like okay that's weird um and then so like a week later I think another we were back at another you know saying goodbye to another group and um honestly I I don't remember a lot um but my that this teacher uh, professor drugged me took me to a an abandoned house in Quito, Ecuador and raped me. I was violently ill. I just, I like remember throwing up and like he's standing there. And then, um, that's, I just had little snippets of the night. And then there was another man there trying to touch me. And I was so ill and just black kept blacking out. And so I woke up alone 
and I just opened my eyes. I'm on a dirty mattress on the floor and I'm alone in this house and it's abandoned. There's like nothing besides the mattress. So this is clearly like where they take people. And it like, I, I just try to leave and they have like in South America, they all have these like, um, steel, like garage doors kind of things. And they don't really have yards. So I was trying to like open the door and I couldn't get out because they kept electrocuting me. And I'm like literally standing there crying for like a half hour because there's no one anywhere. I don't know where I'm at. I just like, I'm remembering parts from the night before. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Truly. I finally get out and, um, the, I had to like flag. So I flagged down a taxi at this point. It's like the next day and like school starting, I didn't know where else to go. So I took a taxi back to school in the same clothes I had on the night before. And I show up and I see his fucking face. He's just looking at me. It's like, I could have been killed. Like you obviously don't like give a shit. You know what I mean? I, you literally could have killed me or whatever you drug me with or whatever. I mean, there's so many things that could have been even worse than they already were. And so, and it's like, I saw him, I never told anyone. I, and I don't know why I like, I think I was like in shock probably. Cause I'm like in a different country, have no, no one to like help me really, you know? And I don't, I just think I was like, just shove it down. Like pretend it didn't happen. I never told the school. I never told my parents. I never told anybody. And like now almost 20 years later, I get pissed because I lay in bed at night and I think about this and I'm like, God, what, why did you put yourself in that situation? Why did, you know, but then it's like, no, it's on him. It's not on me. It's not, he fucking did it. Not me. You know, it happened to me. And at this point I'm like, I know it's, it pisses me off. Honestly, I know how many women have had like sexual assault so many. And it's, while it's not the same thing that happened to me, it's happened to them. And I've talked to numerous of my friends and I know it's, I think it's like above 50% of women or more have been assaulted. Mm -hmm. And so I know people can relate whether, you know, whatever has happened to them, but it's like, I'm sick of being silent about it. Like that lets him win. And I'm, I'm done with that. Like I'm done I'm not going to have shame about it. I'm going to speak my truth because as women too, we like, we hold it all in and we suffer in silence and we think we're the only one, but we're not. And it's like the, the actually spreading your, you know, saying your truth and putting it out there. Maybe somebody can benefit and be like, you know what? She got through it with this could have broken me and I could have just given up and I could have completely derailed and my life could have changed forever or I, while I didn't deal with it as I should have at the time, I kept going, you know what I mean? I survived and now I'm thriving, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a horrific thing that sadly happens to a lot of people. And I think to know that we're not alone is the biggest piece. Yeah. And I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, Thank you. I remember reading it and I felt like I was like, felt like I was in like the movie saw or something. Like mm-hmm. I was like, Oh God. Like I, I, I started to picture myself. It's what I do. Like I try and when I'm reading a book like yours, I'm like relating, like, what would that be like if I was in there? And I, mm-hmm. and I started, I was like, fuck, like that's like my worst nightmare being mm-hmm. stuck in some, you got some electrical fence. Like how, yeah. 
in some weird bed like that's yeah. like everybody's nightmare literally like literally mm-hmm. travel mm-hmm. somewhere and end up that's like what people say you're gonna end up in something like yeah you live that and you got through yeah. it how so how did you get out of that in the first place? Like you, you had the gate there. How did you get up? Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk about, I don't know. I like, I was, I, I just kept like trying it and I, it literally took me a half hour. Finally, somehow it opened. It's fucking and I terrifying. Was, like, crying. I'm mean, just like sitting there crying for like a half hour trying to open this. Phone. It's not like I can climb over it. It's like 10 feet tall, you know, like the steel gate, something. Yeah. It was weird. Okay. And then after that happened, how has that you haven't spoke about it to anybody so like mm-hmm. how has that if how has that affected you like how have you you dealt with that you haven't even dealt with it like how i i really like that's i feel like now in my life you know almost 20 years later like you know i deal with other big things and i look at hey this is really hard i'm i have to do this like i have to change my habits to make them make me feel better to actually get through this really hard time. But yeah, that it's, I'm not proud to say I haven't really dealt with it a lot and I'm 20 years later now speaking it. And maybe that's the start of it. And I'm sure I got a shitload more like therapy and work to do on it. I know I do because it, I shoved it down so deep, so deep. And it's probably come bubbling up in different traumatic things I've dealt with since then in a way, but yeah, I don't know. I I need to. That's like the one thing in my life that I just like hid away. I really yeah. did. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I believe that you've started the process like you said. Yeah. Like like writing about it is so mm-hmm. healing and then now speaking about it, now you'll speak about mm-hmm. it quite a bit. That right there is like it's it's very yeah. cathartic, right? When you when you yeah. because it doesn't have that it doesn't like you're letting it breathe and it doesn't have, yeah. it loses its power when you, when you're able exactly. to, and then you see, you'll see other people be like, Oh, like you're going to inspire so many people just from speaking about that. I hope so. I mean, like, like I said, I don't want people to feel alone or they have to shove it down and pretend that never happened. Cause you can't do that. It's coming out in other ways, probably. Right. That's just not healthy. Yeah. But, you know, um, but I guess, yeah, that's just part of growing and being older and more mature and like knowing what I need to thrive. Maybe that's just that last piece that needs to just, yeah, have the power taken away from it. And I stand in my power again and I own it again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And not, he, he doesn't get that anymore. I love that. That is so important. That's so well said. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, that right there is it, it shows that the healing is already happening, right? And a lot of people don't have that courage. So well done with that. Thank you. Real vibes only confessions of a hot mess entrepreneur. It's going to be out in the new year. How excited are you about this coming out? I'm super excited. I literally never thought I wanted to write a book ever. And I went and I heard, um, I heard this woman speak and she owns a publishing company. I was like, I could do that. And it's like, it's all, it's just a bunch of short stories of my life. They're totally from all over the place, but it's like things that I've overcome and that some of them are lighter. Some of them are really traumatic. Some are in the middle, but like, I hope that I'm just real and people are like, Oh my God. Yeah. 
that I do that, or I can relate to that, or you know what I mean? I hope people laugh. Maybe they'll cry. I hope to get some like, oh shit, that happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, like I said, it kind of just poured out of me. I never thought I wanted to write a book. I don't even know how it became what it is. I, I don't even know. It just came out. I'm like, okay, that's what we're going with. And, it, but I truly like, I've read it over. I'm like, yep, this is my heart, my soul. This is me. I'm being real raw, vulnerable. And yeah, I hope, I hope people like it. People are going to love it. And it's so relatable and it's, it's what people need is giving the permission because essentially people just mm-hmm. are seeking permission to do the things they know they yeah. should do right in life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's like, you're yep. giving them one big permission slip. You're like, look at me. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess over here. Yep. <laughs> I really appreciate this conversation, Chelsea. I know, I know you're yeah, very, thank you. very busy with everything and I'm super excited for your book to come out. Is there anything that you'd like to leave the audience with any sort of message of maybe if, if somebody is struggling right now, let's go there. Mm -hmm. If if somebody is struggling with adversity right now Mm -hmm. and they're seeking something like other than what you've said, like, is there Mm -hmm. anything kind of advice that you give that someone could take away right now if they are struggling? Yeah. I mean, and honestly, the world's a heavy place right now. It's really hard. And I, there's so many people struggling. Um, what truly has helped me in my most recent really intense struggle is I had to look at myself and like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing on a day-to-day basis? Oh yeah. I'm drinking a lot. Is that snowballing with my mental health? making that shitty, my physical health, because I skip the gym and then I, you know, eat a bunch of crap. And then I, I completely am spiraling now. And it's like, stop, like they all feed into each other. So it's like, I took a look at myself and what was making me feel like total shit. And, and then I'm now, now at this point, know the habits that make me feel like thriving and really good and happy. And I'm like, I have to right now when I'm struggling so much, I have to stop drinking, eat healthy, go work out, get outside, hug my dog, talk to a therapist was massive for me and just, and put yourself around friends too, like people that you can be you around. Cause it's like, you have to put yourself in that position and feel good. Otherwise it's all too much. It's just too much. If you're not actually like, if you're drinking too much and you're, you know, using a bunch of substances or, you know, from your book, I mean, this isn't making you thrive and making anything any better. It's actually making it so much worse. So it's like, I had to really be like, say no to some things, stop the drinking, stop this and that, like, get, be gentle with myself, but like only focus on these things because that's the only way I'm going to get through. And, and really, I went through some really shitty stuff recently and I was like, not okay. And I'm like, Nope. Okay. Just be, you got to just be like more aware of it and you know what you're going to focus on. Oh, gold. Absolute gold. (laughs) Chelsea, thank you so much. Really. Thank you. Thank you for all your support. You've been a well, 
I'm, we're always like, oh, I I help me. I love it so much. I believe <laughs> in what you're doing and your everything. Thank and you. I just love it. I resonate with you. You know, we've become really good friends and mm-hmm. I, uh, I just, I love it. So I'm here for it. And well, thank you. Real vibes only confessions of a hot mess entrepreneur. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that to come. Thank up. you. Thank yeah, you. Great. Thanks so much for tuning in everybody and powerful conversation. Chelsea's story is so incredible and you guys are going to love her book. So go grab a copy. It's available now on Amazon. Like I mentioned before, this episode was recorded uh, at the end of December. So while we were talking, you know, we were talking about the book coming out, but the book is out now. It's available now on Amazon. It's crushing it on the charts. It's doing really well. And uh, it would be great. Show Chelsea the support. She works hard. She's got a big heart and uh, making waves in the world. So thanks, everybody. Subscribe to the podcast and uh, hit me up if you have any comments or requests. I always love to hear it. All right. Much love. We will catch you next time.